Welcome to the podcast where we talk to guests about five moments in their lives they'll never forget. This is Backstory with Steve Legg. It is fabulous to have you with me today on the new show where I bring together an incredible cast of stars of stage and screen, stand-up comedians and magicians, writers and artists, leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the five significant times in their lives they'll never forget. It's great to have you here. This is Lieutenant Colombo, and you're listening to Steve Legg's Backstory Podcast. The most fun you can have without a cigar and a trench coat. All right, I think I've bothered you enough today. I'll let you go ahead and listen. Oh, one more thing. Enjoy the show. And it's a cracker today. On today's show, we welcome the celebrity, comedian, magician and actor, artist and author, the hilarious Mr. Joe Pasquale. Joe has continued to delight audiences with his live stand-up tour for over 30 years now. Along the way, he's voiced characters for Hollywood movies and even starred in The Muppets' 25th anniversary show. Joe made his theatrical debut in 1999 in The Nerd and has gone on to appear in numerous touring productions and also in the West End of London. Most recently, Joe starred in the lead role of Frank Spencer in the touring production of Some Mothers to Have Them. Added to this, Joe was crowned King of the Jungle in ITV's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, back in 2004. He's also hosted his own TV special, An Audience with Joe Pasquale, as well as the long-running TV series, The Price is Right for ITV. Also, God, what a list. He's appeared in ITV's Dancing on Ice in 2013 and appeared in five Royal Variety performances and taken part in ITV One's The All New Monty, Who Bears Wins, for Stand Up to Cancer. Having qualified as a pilot and taken up boxing and running, Joe's also an artist and author and has written a second collection of horror stories, Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2, Tales from the Lockdown. To be honest, I'm amazed he's found time to do this podcast. But here he is, Mr Joe Pasquale. Hello, Joe. Oh, mate, you don't need me to say anything. Mate. You've done it all. <laughs> Flippin' heck, how much stuff have you done? Oh, that was just a, you know, just a scratch in the surface, mate. <laughs> when I look back at it, I think, finally, how have I got this far? It's amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. Joe, welcome to the show. It's a podcast. We talk Thank about you, memories. Um, and I know you're going to have some some flipping crackers here. Um, none of them will be cack. I know that. Because, uh, I've known you for many years and you're a top bloke. So, Joe, your first memory, please. Something ingrained in your memory you'll never forget. I think you'll find it was, uh, yeah, I, I would say it was probably the Muppet Show, one of them then. I was doing, doing one of the Royal Variety shows. I think it was that. I was... I don't first or second one. And they had a Muppet Show segment on where they had a completely separate director to come in and sort it all out. And uh, so there was like a 20-minute piece where Martin Baker, his name's Martin Baker, that came in. <clears throat> and he directed it one. I got very friendly with Martin and uh, I did his son by Mitzvah um, a couple <laughs> of years do. later. <laughs> as you do. Um, and then after, we, after I did that, he, he was still going on directly. He directed a couple of Muppet movies, uh, produced them, uh, Muppet Treasure Island, and he did all that sort of gear. And one day he just phoned me up out of the blue and he said, uh, it was in 2001. He said, Joe, what are you doing next weekend? So I said, I'm just rehearsing panto. So I said, do you think you get out of it for the weekend and, uh, and get over here? So I said, where's over here? When, in uh, Hollywood, in, in LA. So I said, well, I don't know, what's his for? And he said, we've got the 25th anniversary of the Muppet show. 
and I've shown them your tapes and they think you're a human muppet. So <laughs> um, if you want to come over, it'd be great. Come a bit 10 minutes on your own, 10 minutes with guns, I would love to have in the show. So um, I was working with Leslie Grantham at the time, who, who was uh, directing the panto I was doing. And he was, you know, I worked with Leslie on and off for years. So I knew the show inside out. We'd done it a couple of times before. And I said, look, can I have next weekend off, Leslie? He said, well, what's it for? So I told him, he went, yeah, just go. Don't tell anyone you're going. And as long as you're back on Monday, it'll be fine. So, yeah, I'll be back on Monday, I promise. So, of course, I get out there. And I said to Martin, I went out to the meal before we got before, before the show started, and everything the day before on the Friday night. And I said, who else is on the show? And he went, oh, it's just a couple of locals. So I said, oh, right, okay, fair enough then. And uh, and that was it. Didn't put no more to it. Didn't know who the locals were going to be. And then... um. Then we was having, like, having dinner at this restaurant, his phone went, and uh, he went, okay, I've got to take this. I said, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he went, oh, no, okay, all right, uh, come here. And he wandered off, and he came back and said, is everything right, Martin? He went, no, he said, one of, one of the special guests has fallen out. So I said, who's that? And he went, Christian Slater. <laughs> so I said, you're kidding. So he went, yeah, he can't make it now. I said, no, what? I said, I don't know, I just can't make it. So I said, what are you going to do? He said, oh, don't worry, I've got a few friends I can call. So I'm thinking, like, Christian Slater's dropped out. Who's he going to get? And he walked on it off, came back, he went, I've got one of my mates to do it. No, have you, who have you got doing it? He went, John Voigt. I said, what? He went, John Voigt. So he went, yeah, 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 John Voigt's going to come to it for me instead. So you can't. He went, no, no, no. So, of course, the next day was the day of rehearsal, and the show was on the Sunday night. I flew back on the Monday. So I'm rehearsing on the stage with my bits for Gonzo, and uh, the other people on the show was going to be John Voigt, Brooke Shields, and Paul Williams. Now, Paul Williams was a bloke who wrote a lot of the stuff for Carpenters, and he did uh, loads of stuff for, um, for the Planet of the Apes movies. He played the Lord Giver in one of them. He just did loads of movies as well, called uh, one called uh, Planet of the Paradise. Uh, he did a lot of horror stuff as well in those early days. So he was on the show, and he was doing the music for it. He was playing the piano. He wrote stuff like Rainbow Connection, Up Out the Stairs. And so I'm, I'm rehearsing and on the stage, and Martin came over and went, Joe, can I stop you for a minute? He said, yeah. He said, right. He went, yeah. He said, uh, Brooke Shields has just turned up. And um, she's got another gig to do this afternoon. Would you mind if just uh, let her rehearse? She's doing a bit of Miss Piggy. So I said, look, fine, I've got nowhere to go. I'm, I'm quite happy to let her do it. So she came on stage, did her stuff with Miss Piggy. I just sat in the audience, uh, or sat in the auditorium, watched her rehearse. Once she'd done an hour later, I got back on stage, carried on rehearsing with Gonzo. And then about 10 minutes later, Paul Williams turns up. Martin came over, he went, um, I'm sorry, uh, Paul Williams had just turned up and he's got something else to do this afternoon. Can we... I'm on stage in my house. So, yeah, this is fine, Martin. Really, I'm just really happy to be here. So, Paul Williams, I watched Paul Williams rehearse with, uh, with Kermit. And I sat in the auditorium again. And then I'll get back on the stage. And I went, what happens if John Voigt turns up there? He went, I'm making weight. So, yeah, of course he will. So, of course, I'm rehearsing. <clears throat> and then the door opens at the back of the theatre. It's done at the theatre. Uh, and the door opens. Great. And, and John Voigt is about six foot three, six foot four. This silhouette of a giant man standing in the doorway, then light was shining in Saturday afternoon, and it was just blazing sunshine. And he had somebody with him, and of course it was John Voight. And Martin goes to meet him, and I said to John, I said, I said to Martin, I said, Do you want me to stop? So John Voight went, No, no, make him wait, wait long enough. So, and he says, Have you met John Voight? So I said, How have I met John Voight? I come from Essex. I don't see him down the kebab shop or down the BQ, do I? He went, Oh, I'll introduce you to him. So, of course, John Voight comes up. And, uh, and he says, oh, this is my mate Joe, John, this is Joe, Joe, this is John. I like, hello, John. And, of course, he looks at me and looks at me. He went, does he talk like that all the time? I went, yeah, yeah, he's from Essex. He went, where's Essex? So trying to explain to John Voigt where Essex is, you know, you might as well forget that. Anyway, John Voigt goes off to get chased. I'll go and get my costume. I'll be back in the world. He comes back, 
Uh, and he's dressed as a giant chicken and he sits in the front row. I'm rehearsing with Gonzo. I've got John Voight in the front row dressed as a chicken. Uh, and uh, and then he stands up after about 10 minutes and he puts his hand up and waves at me. And I go over. I said, John, are you all right? He went, yeah, yeah, I'm just, uh, how long are you going to be? That's well, um, about 10, 15 minutes, I reckon, before we finished that work, Gonzo. He went, yeah, yeah. So I said, all right. He went, yeah, I just want to know how long we've been in this goddamn chicken costume for. <laughs> uh, and that was it. And it was, it was just amazing. And then afterwards, he went and had a drink after the show. I don't know, I wish I shared a trailer with John Bright, used his airbrush. And I came home, no one believed me. I'm like, oh, no, at least I've got the pictures. So it was just a, a great thing in my career just to, to do 25th anniversary show The Muppets. It was amazing. This is the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Yeah, Joe Pasquale, what a star. Now, And it's not speeded up if you're listening to this. <laughs> and you think, oh, that's fast. That's Joe speaks fast. Joe, give us another one. This is brilliant, mate. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did... Uh, those years done five Royal Variety shows. One of them um, must have been back 2005, I think. They had a, a, sh- a segment from a show called the Blue Man Group from Hollywood. Now, this group of people, this uh, it's uh, three blokes, literally painted blue, and they're called Blue Man Group because that's what they are. And one of the segments, they, they said, "What do you do a bit with this?" I said, "Yeah, what do you want me to do?" And they hung me upside down by my feet, painted me completely blue, and swung me across the stage on this this piece of rope by my feet and slammed me into a big piece of canvas to make some modern art thing and they gave it away to some charity afterwards to flog so the paint they used is based in eggs it's all egg based so if it goes up your nose it's not poisonous or nothing but of course you put in this are you allergic to eggs no I'm fine but it's been there for three days in the, in the rehearsals and they used the, same, they used the same paint so after three days eggs start to go off don't they they've been you know in, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in oxygen and they start smelling very farty so of course I'm covered in blue paint and uh, and it smells of fart. And I have to run upstairs after this bit of the show and get a shower, jump in a new clean suit, come down and meet the Queen. And I'm I'm chucking up, I'm really, you know, stinking. So I'll go downstairs, meeting the Queen, and I could still smell this stuff on me. And I'm meeting the Queen and she goes, she walks up to me, she goes, Oh, hello, have you recovered? So I said, <laughs> Recovered from what, Your Majesty? From that event upside down. So I said, Yeah, I have, Your Majesty. The only problem is, um, the paint they used was eggs. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm minging at the moment. And the Queen went, minging? What's minging? <laughs> so as well, it's just made me, so it's a bit farty, I smell. And she leant, she grabbed my hand and she leant forward and she sniffed me and she went, oh yes, you are a bit whiffy, like that. And, and if I ever write my autobiography, I'm going to call it Sniffed by the Queen. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the memories. Joe Pasquale, what a fabulous guest. Um, you've got to say something about I'm a Celebrity, surely. Well, I could do, but it's quite boring, really. It's you know, not. You won it. Bit. You're the king of the jungle, yeah, man. I uh, this I'll tell you about it by all means, but it's boring. Because um, you only see an hour a day of Ant and Deck, you know, saying, "Look what's happened today." He's jumped out of a plane today. Then somebody was uh, in, a, in a in a river and a raft. They fell out, and somebody fell in the fire. The bird himself. Then they, they, they there were spiders in there, and then they had a rat in the bed, and then he ate a kangaroo's willy. What a great day it's been! But the reality <laughs> is, there's another twenty three hours where you just sit there watching people argue and fart, and that's it. <laughs> There is nothing that goes on that you, you know, there's not, honestly, you've got 13 people sitting there scratching their bum because somebody will go off and do a trial, they've gone, they've gone for the day, and everybody else just sits there. And if somebody else goes, does, does like the bush, not the bush tucker trial, the, uh, you know, the thing where you get a, you know, get the bag and all that sort of stuff, 
they've gone for three or four hours. You just sit there, wait for them to come back. So those two, that's what the, that's what the time is spent on, is that. But the rest of the time, the rest of the camp, you sit there going, uh, and you, you see the cameramen hiding in these hides, and they they get bored because they're doing my shift work. You know, they're they're all the you know, eight hour shifts, and they're in these hides. But you know, they're there because you can see the camera lens. And they fall asleep. Sometimes you're never snoring. You bang on the hide. Oh, wake up! Like, oh, oh, what? Yeah, because they're, they're bored, stupid. Because nothing. It was a. I, I really enjoyed the experience, but can't say it was exciting. It was boring. The only time it was exciting was when you do a trial. Sure. The rest of it, keep keeping out the arguments. Have you kept in and touch I'd like with? To say, uh, uh, the only one I speak to regularly didn't fall out of anyone. But it's like going on a crap old deal with thirteen other people you don't know. <laughs> Have it kept, really is that. Sorry, Joe. Have you kept in touch with any of your campmates? Uh, yeah, well, I see them occasionally, but I don't want to keep in touch with them. I keep in touch with more people in from other series that I wasn't in with, really. <laughs> um, the only one that I, I really keep in touch with, I suppose, is Janet Street Porter, and she petrified the life out of me at first. Oh, uh, once you get to know her, she's just, she's, yeah, she's not really, though. She's just great, really, Janet. She's really nice. And we remember seeing you become good friends with Paul Burrell, didn't we? Um, well, no, you saw us in a camp with Paul Burrell, uh, <laughs> stuck in, you know, for three weeks with someone that you, you know, you, yeah, but the thing is, I'm not confrontational. I'm not argumentative. I'll get on with anybody I'm with. It's not a case of, you know, I, I don't have a huge ego. I'll get on with whatever needs to be done. This is the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Joe Pasquale, we've got a few more minutes with you. Have you got another good memory yes. of us? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Last year, I did my first cruise last year before this lockdown malarkey happened. And uh, on the show, it was, uh, it was called a stages cruise. There was me, there was Alfie Bow, uh, there was a load of West End shows on there. Um, oh, I, 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 oh, blood, there was a, uh, what they called? There was a, oh, I've forgotten what they were called. There's all these operatic singers on. And the show was on all day long from half past nine, ten o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the morning. There was just on every room, there was some concert going on somewhere. And I was supposed to do two shows, I think, two or three shows on the cruise. And, and everybody was booked. Uh, uh, Sheridan Smith was on it. That was it. Uh, and everybody was doing two or three nights on there in different rooms at different times. And uh, after my first show, and I had never met Alfie Bow before. And then after I did my first show, they did a, a Q&A in, the, in one of the other rooms the next day where you just sat there's like an audience with it and people would ask you questions. You'd talk about uh, your life and, and stories in the business. And Alfie um, watched my show and I watched his show. He was brilliant. He does it. He finishes with a Queen medley. So afterwards, um, I said, and, I, and so Alfie came to see me. He went, are you doing your Q&A tomorrow? I said, yeah. And he said, can I watch it? So I said, of course you can. And the room was completely sold out. So it didn't look like bought tickets, but you couldn't get anyone in there. It was completely packed. So he said, I really want to see this. So why don't you get on the stage with me then? So you sit at the front with your back to the audience, but they don't see who it is for the whole show, for the whole time, but don't say a word. And I said, then you can see it. You'll have the best seat in the house because you'll be on the stage with me, but right at the corner facing me and they won't see you. He went, yeah, that'd be fun. So at the end of the show, just get up and start mopping the stage and they say, it's you. He went, oh, that'd be great. So, of course, Alfie sat at the front of the stage on a big high chair, like a, a Sherlock Holmes chair. They couldn't see who was sitting there. They knew someone was there, but they didn't know who it was. And, of course, at the end, after the show went great, Alfie gets up and starts sweeping the stage, and they brought the house down. And then he said to me, my agent was on the ship as well, and my agent he said to me, Alfie just said to me, do you sing? He said, does Joe sing? So well, he sings, but he's not a singer. And I said, well, I'll have a word with him. And he came to see me. He went, Joe, you sing, don't you? I said, well, I have sat on the musicals, but I'm not a singer, but... 
Why? He went, do you fancy getting up and doing a bit with me tonight? So I said, what? He said, yeah, come and do a bit with me. So I said, but I just said, I'm not really saying that don't matter. So I said, what do you want to do? He said, have you seen my show? So I said, yeah, yeah, I do. That's it. So he said, well, do you fancy getting up and doing the Queen medley with me at the end? So I said, you're kidding. So I went, no, no, let's come in and these, these ships. It's like 3,000 seat all the door in. It was massive, right? So I said, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, um, yeah, fine. So I didn't let him know, but I went to see the other load of dancers and I said, you don't need gear that dress up as Freddie Mercury. <laughs> so I said, yeah, yeah, they went, yeah. So they dressed me up as they made me up, they had the moustache, I had the vest on, I had the yellow jacket, I had the mic with the stand on it and all of that. And of course, uh, at the end of his show, he finishes on this queen, maybe. And uh, I went, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they didn't, didn't tell who it was. And it's just one of those best singers in the world. Of course, I came out struck in the back like Freddie Mercury. And to, and I sang a whole Queen medley with Alfie Bowe. And it was one of the best things that I ever did. You're listening to the Backstory Podcast, where we remember the good times, the things you love, the things you are, the things you never want to lose. Joe Pasquale, thank you so much for being with us today. Have you got one more and then we're going to talk about your book? Yes, yes, yes. I could tell you I could tell you another one. Um, what can I tell you? What's the best one to tell you about this? Is uh, probably, uh, probably, mm, hang on, I'm sorry, Steve, I've got to think of this one. I did have one. <laughs> it's just straight out of my head then. I was going to tell you a really good one. What's it going to be? Uh, that, 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 mm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, ready? Yeah, go for it. Uh, after coming out of the jungle, which was in 2004, um, I was doing panto in Wolverhampton. No, I was in Birmingham. And uh, Jasper Carrot, I think well, he's not doing it this year, but he used to do a thing called Rock With Laughter mm. at the NEC in Birmingham, which is like 20,000 people. And there's a big charity show to help all the homeless in the Birmingham area in Wolverhampton. And you have huge stars on it, massive stars. And, uh, and one day he pulled me up out of the blue of the jungle and I've done uh, bits and pieces with, with uh, Jasper beforehand and he said Joe we've got this show this year and you're in the area you're in Birmingham doing panto do you think you can come and do this show for us this year so I said well what's the date he gave me the date I said look I, I can't Jasper I've got two shows that day I don't finish till what, half nine quarter ten and he went listen the show goes on till midnight he said I can get a car to you quarter ten and it's only like 15-20 minutes away at the NEC you can be there by ten I'll put you on half ten eleven o'clock they only want 15, 20 minutes. So I went, okay, yeah, yeah. So the, great, great. Now, I didn't know, I didn't ask who else is on. I just know he has these huge stars. So I said, okay, great. I'll, I'll be there. I promise I'll be there. So well, I'll send the car for you. Yes, send the car. It'll be great. Then I, I, I won't go to drive, find anywhere to park. Don't worry, I'll look after you. <clears throat> so I'll get in the car, quarter to 10. I'll get there about quarter past 10. And uh, and I find Jasper. I'll go backstage. Now, the, the auditorium is massive there. Okay, you're talking about 20,000 seats. And I get there, he went, oh, you made it, you made it. He was so grateful. So I said, oh, great, okay, I'm here, I'm here. So I said, um, how long before I go on then, Jasper? And he went, well, look, it's quarter past 10. I reckon uh, you'll be on at about quarter to 11, 11 o'clock maybe. So I'm going to put you, this is what he says to me. He went, I'm going to put you on in between Robert Plant and the Bee Gees. <laughs> All right? I went, what? He went, yeah, you're going after Robert Plant and then Bee Gees after you. So, oh, no, don't say, what, I've got to follow Robert Plant? Yeah, 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 it'd be great, it'd be great. So how do I follow Robert Plant? It's just me. He's got Robert Plant, you know, huge rock and roll star with his, like, 20-piece band, and then just me on my own. He went, to be great. So, of course, Robert Plant, he's doing something. I can't remember what his standard song, what he finishes with, but it's a great big ballad thing, and everybody's there. 
And uh, and I thought, how do I follow this? How do I follow blah, blah, blah. And the place is, is screaming. And bear in mind, I'd just come out of the jungle. Right? I'd literally just come out of the jungle about two weeks beforehand. And of course, what Jeff was hosting at his company, Robert Plant comes up, he comes past me all sweaty, and he's getting all floppy. And I said, oh, Robert Plant, it was really nice. And the Bee Gees are in the wings. Now, I've met the Bee Gees before as well, which is great. I'd met them on a Royal Variety show, so they were nice. Uh, and I was in the dressing room with them beforehand. But it was just like in between Robert Plant and the Bee Gees. And of course, what do I do? How do I follow Robert Plant? And with 20,000 people. So, of course, I'd go out. He said, ladies and gentlemen, the reigning king of the jungle, Joe Pasquale, and go out and the place went up. It's like Elvis. And I went out and I thought, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm not, I kid you not, all I did, I sang. I know a song that get on your nerves for 10 minutes and 20,000 people had their lights out. It was like, it was just like you know, a, a, a concert with George Michael singing Careless Whisper. It was amazing. The whole thing was just incredible. Steve Legg brings you the best podcast every single month. It's so great. He's a great guy. No one knows more about great podcasts than me. The features, the interviews, even the adverts. It's a great show. Fantastic. Enjoy the show. And what a great guest we've had, Joe Pasquale. Thank you so much for doing this, mate. Tell us about the book. Christmas is coming. Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2. Tell us all about yes. it. Uh, well, it's um, it's a book of short horror stories. The second one, I did one. A few, I did a, a, a course a few years ago. I did a degree with the Open University on geoscience, and I did a couple of modules on creative writing. I really enjoyed that, so I did one on advanced creative writing. And I had to write a lot of dark stuff for that, some short stories. And I would always send them, before I sent them in to be marked by my tutor, I would send them to a friend of mine, an author that writes steampunk uh, novels uh, called Colin Edmonds, who used to be Bob Munkhouse's writer, just to get um, see what he thought about it first. He thought I could improve on it somewhere. And unbeknownst to me, he was saving up these stories that I was sending him, and he sent them to his publisher, a bloke called Darren Laws from uh, Cafe Knights, a publishing company. And, and out of the blue, Darren contacted me and said, um, Connie sent me these stories. How many of these you got? So we've got about half a dozen. He said, if you can do 13 of them and they're as good as these, I'll publish them. And that's how I came out. Then I illustrated the book as well. And then that, that one went to uh, number one in the horror charts on, uh, on Amazon, but only for a couple of weeks. But when it, I took a picture of it, it was great. Um, it was number one, and then number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven were by Stephen King, <laughs> and it was great. But you know, he's got like four hundred books out. But I was just chuffed to be at number one for a couple of weeks. So over the past um, nine months, uh, Darren's been on me for ages about, do you want to do a second book? And I just hadn't had the time. Of course, the last nine months, everybody's had the time, and I kept myself fit. I watched every Netflix thing going for about three weeks. <laughs> and I thought I can't do this for much longer. So I started writing the, the short stories again. And I love it. It's a great, uh, it's a great way for using my imagination because I, I love horror generally, and I like being scared. And sometimes when you read, and they are short horror stories, they're really short. You know, no story is more than about twenty, twenty-five minutes long. Because sometimes you you read short stories; they're a week long still. That's not <laughs> a short story to me. A short story is a short story. And uh, and sometimes when you read them as well, you know, the the author will say, "Well, I've left it open at the end because I want the reader." To, uh, to use their imagination to come up with the end. I'm like, no, I don't want that. I'll pay 15 quid for this book. I want to know what happens in the end. Tell me what happens. So every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And they are, they're not for kids at all. It's uh, purely for adults. And um, and people get constipated. Some people like to go to the loo and read a book. Well, this is the ideal book for that because you can get through one, at least one short story, one sitting, and by the end of it, you won't be constipated at the end either. Um, and it's, it's, there's a lot of the stories are about different things that have gone on in the lockdown 
they're all completely, uh, um, what's the word? I don't know. They're all completely different. They're very eclectic, uh, completely fiction. I've illustrated the book as well. And a lot of them are about not just lockdown in this period of time, but different periods of time, whether it be uh, a First World War soldier in uh, in the trenches. There's one about that. There's one about um, uh, the Salem witch trials in the 1700s when the whole town was locked down because of the witchcraft going on there. So there's a, there's a wide range of subjects in there, and I just love it. And once again, it's really not for kids, called uh, Dead Knobs and Doomsticks 2, the Tales of the Lockdown, and I just love it. And I'm planning the third one at the moment. So I actually want to, I write them with a mind, I want to get them made into short films is what I'd like to do, like Tales the Unexpected sure. used to be. And there's 19 stories in this one. I just couldn't stop writing. I just, once it came out, there was nothing else to do. Nothing else to take my mind up. I'd go running every day, and while I'm out running, I take the notebook with me, and then if I get an idea where I'm running, that's it. Note that down, get that in there, get this in there, bang. That's another story there. Joe, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, pal. You've been listening to the Backstory Podcast with Steve Legg and friends. Catch you next time.